Amen. Good morning. Good afternoon, even. Sorry, it's getting on. It's sunny out there today, isn't it? It's looking nice. Winter's coming to a close, sort of. You don't believe that, do you? Everyone, everyone's out there um, sledging today, aren't they? Has anyone sledged in here? Has anyone been, been sledging? No, it's just not enough snow, isn't it? It's cutting. Like, I keep getting posts on like, Instagram and like, my sister sending me pictures of them all sledging in the hills. And Anyway, it's not for us. But, um, so this last month, we, we've been going through the book of Genesis. And we've been looking at a couple of characters in Genesis. We spent two weeks having a look at Abraham. We looked at Jacob and wrestling with God. Uh, Tom gave us an amazing overview of Joseph's life last week. And we were thinking about him. And, and this final week of thinking about kind of living well and, in, in this new year, we're, 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 we're going to go into Hebrews, and we're going to look at the author and the perfecter of it all, Jesus, who brings it all together. And um, Hebrews was written to the, to the Jewish Christians to kind of help them to persevere in their faith and have confidence. So let's read these words and see what they say to us. We're actually going to read um, through three chapters of, of Hebrews. We will miss out quite a few verses on the way, Um, but uh, we're going to start near the end of chapter 10 and go through to chapter 12. So this is from uh, Hebrews 10, verse 32, Hebrews 10, 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And my righteous one will live by faith. I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then we go into this long list of the heroes of the faith, Hebrews 11, starting at Abel, going all the way through to the prophets. And um, we're not going to read it all, but verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. And then to verse 39, these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance 
the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I should probably just sit down there. I mean, that kind of says it all, but I'll, I'll try and add something. I don't know what we will. But, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a... Um, HTB network uh, leaders retreat for kind of plant church and for 24 hours just meeting up uh, with other leaders. It wasn't really a retreat to be honest. It was the opposite of a retreat. It was a lot of kind of chat and everything, but it was fun. And um, we were thinking about persevering and keeping going and thinking about raising up new leaders in the networks and how do we encourage them and keep them going. And um, then a guy called Pastor Emmanuel stood up. Now, Pastor Emmanuel is based at Holy Trinity um, Hounslow, works with Donna, who we sent there some months ago. And um, Pastor Emmanuel has planted many, many churches in India, has been over here for, I don't know, about five years now, is running a Hindi service at Holy Trinity Hounslow. And is an amazing guy. And he, and he stood up and he, he shared some of his story. And he was telling us how he had gone um when he first came to faith he 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 basically said to the lord just just send me to where there are no christians send me into that to the hardest places and he felt a real call from god as well to do that and so he had a town on his heart and he went to this town in india i think it was in in gujarat and there were no other christians in this town not one none absolutely none he was the only one and he prayed and he fasted and he talked to people about Jesus and he was beaten he was mocked he was told to leave the town after one year there there was absolutely no visible fruit no one had come to faith nothing had happened after the end of his second year there there was still no fruit no one had come to faith. Nothing had happened. He continued praying. He continued fasting. Continued telling people about Jesus. At the end of the third year, there was still no fruit. Nothing had happened. No one had come to faith. At the end of the fourth year, a couple of people came to faith. Into the fifth year, starting to plant churches. <laughs> It began to happen. When I hear stories like that, I think, oh my God, how did they keep going? Three years, nothing happened apart from getting beaten and mocked and ridiculed. I have to say, when he shared stuff and shared his story, if I'm honest, we'd all been, you know, there's been a bit of kind of whinging going on in the room, oh, it's so tough and keep going and how do we encourage these young people to keep going as well? And what can we do? And what strategies can we use? And when Pastor Emmanuel got up and shared that story, we were all like, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> moving on. You know, wow. But you know, God does want us to not grow weary and not lose heart. And how can we do that together? We're not all Pastor Emmanuel's, but we can all keep persevering and keep going. How do we do that? And Hebrews, I think, gives us 
some clues. It gives us some helps because that is why it was written to Christians, to help them persevere. And the first thing we come across from the beginning, from where we picked up the story in chapter 10, verse 32, it says, remember those early days. Remember those early days. And I think this is such an important part of persevering. Remember when you first came to faith. If you maybe grew up in a, in a, in a Christian family, a Christian household, you will still have moments in your life where you've began to really own your faith for yourself. Remember those moments. Remember the battles that you fought in those early days to lay hold of your faith. Remember kind of the ground you took. You know, they're, they're precious days, those early days. I remember, I, I, I know this kind of probably sounds a bit pathetic to some of you, but I remember my first uh, time when I told my flatmate and some of my friends, I'm going to church on Sunday morning. I felt, I felt it, it wasn't an easy thing to do. I, it, maybe it should have been, but it didn't. It felt really hard at the time. Oh, God, pathetic, going to church on a Sunday morning. What do you want to do that for? It just felt so weak somehow. And ugh. Yet bit by bit, it took ground. I remember a harder conversation of, with, with my girlfriend at the time saying, you know, we can't sleep together anymore. And we booked a holiday and I, I had to rebook separate hotel, separate hotel rooms for us for that holiday. It wasn't an easy conversation. Didn't go down very well. But I took some ground. I laid out, I put a stake in the ground and said, this is the way I'm going. And we fought, we've all fought some big battles and probably some, some of those biggest battles in the early days when we began to own our faith. And we need to remember those, remember those things. And, and I would say to you, keep a record of your walk with God. Keep a journal. Keep recording what God is saying and doing in your life and look back at your old journals if you have them from when you, you, you first kind of laid hold of your faith. I decided to take a dose of my own medicine and thought, well, if I'm going to say that, I better do it myself. So I got some of my old journals off the shelf from uh, our anniversary today. So I got one from uh, 12 years ago of our anniversary. It is 12 years, isn't it? Yeah, uh, 12 years from our anniversary. Got it off the shelf and uh, started reading through. And it was amazing. It was so encouraging just to kind of read all the stuff God had, you know, was doing at the time. It was a really exciting time. And, 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 and I almost didn't get the sermon written because I spent hours, I started reading all my journals. It was really fun. And I really encourage you to do it. Go back, have a look. One, one of the things I, I came across in there, it was in the first year of when we planted here. And, and, and I'd written down, I, I felt God to, to, to prepare for, for, for leading a really large church. A church even over 300 people. And I could sense that the way I'd written it was like, Oh my God, I can't believe we'll ever be a church over 300 people. You know, that would be just bizarre. And uh, we were just sort of, I don't know, about 80, 100 at that time. And um, God, I wish I'd listened to my own advice, really. Or God's advice, rather. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing when we look back to see what he said and what he's done. And it says in this Hebrew passage, don't, don't just remember your, your own war at and your own early days. 
Remember the other heroes of faith. That's what chapter 11 is all about. Remember these other people that we've been thinking about over the last month. Month, Jacob, Jacob, Joseph, Isaac, so on. You know, these were people just like us. They had faults. They had failings. They made mistakes. But they persevered. They kept this walk of faith going. How can you really take their stories to heart? How can you kind of own them? I think one way is to remember they're your family. God said we've been grafted in to the family. We belong to the family. We belong. Abraham is kind of our father. Abraham is part of our family. He's our brother. They're, they're our sisters. We belong to this family. And so be inspired that you belong to that family. You're part of the family. And therefore, hopefully, that's what I like to think, you've got a few of the family characteristics. Some of the things, some of the battles they've won, some of the ground they've taken, it can be kind of inherited by you and begin to own their stories. And of course, Hebrews says the most important person to remember is Jesus. The pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. That's the one we want to ultimately focus on. And you know, these heroes of the faith, they give us a kind of picture of, 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 Jesus, of, a, life, of a good life of faith. But Jesus gives us the perfect picture. And, and as you read through the Old Testament, you look at these stories, you see hints of Jesus, of who is going to come. You know, you look at, look at say, Isaac walking up the hill with all that wood on his back to be sacrificed, the precious chosen son going up to be sacrificed. Does that remind you of anyone? Another journey that someone took with wood on their back up a hill to be sacrificed, the chosen one? There are these little hints all through scripture of Jesus. Yet we are, as it says in Hebrews, God had planned something better for us. We have something better than they did because Jesus has already come. We have seen the perfect life of faith. We know the perfect shape and what has been done. And so, as it says, we consider him so we don't grow weary and lose heart. We have him in reality and truth, what he has done. So we remember, we remember these people, we remember our own journey. The second thing we need to do in persevering is we need to run. We need to run this race. I don't know about you, but when I stop doing something for a while, it's easy to lose confidence. When I, often over August, I don't preach. And then when I come back in September, I've lost a little bit of confidence. And can I even do this job anymore? Um, and, and, And how can I do this? And you lose a bit of confidence. And you see it in children as well, don't you? The start of term, they're all kind of a bit nervous about going back to school. And they generally don't feel like that every day of the week for the rest of the term. But there's something about when we do things regularly, it builds our confidence. And it's no different in our life of faith. If we keep pressing in, if we keep going for it, if we keep seeking God and doing those things which he calls us to do, it grows our faith. It strengthens our faith. We are able to keep persevering and keep up our confidence. And you know what? There's a temptation in our kind of, our Christian walk, I think, 
I can certainly feel like this. When we, when we have doubts, when we're wrestling with things, we want to kind of withdraw a bit. And we think, well, I'm, I, I, I'm struggling with this, I'm doubting over this, so I think um, I just, I, I, it's probably better I, I back out. Where actually, if we say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in further. Even though I'm feeling these doubts, I'm going to press in further. And what we find when we, I don't know, visit the sick or visit someone in prison or serve the poor or whatever it's doing, it's there that we meet Jesus. In that sacrificial serving, we meet Jesus and our faith is strengthened and our doubts begin to fade more into the background. You know, it's very hard to persevere when you're being passive. Perseverance takes a sort of act of the will to keep going in this direction. But if you're sitting there thinking, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Oh, I've got to do more running, more pressing in, more blah, blah, blah. Remember, it says this, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, when I was on this um, network leaders uh, retreat with the other HTV leaders, there's one big danger there when we all get together and we all know it and we all try and fight against it, but it's very easy not to get crushed by it. And the thing you get crushed by is comparison because everyone's getting up saying, oh, this is going on in our church and this is going on in our church and this is going on. And you think, wow, that's something. Oh, that, yeah, that, wow. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do that. Too. We should definitely do that. And, and, and before you know it, you think, oh, my goodness, are we doing anything right? Is there anything going on at St. John's? And, and you can just get crushed by comparing. And we need to remember, it says in that verse, let us run with perseverance that race marked out for us. What is the Lord calling you to do? What is the Lord calling me to do? And let's not look over our shoulders and compare. Let's be inspired by others, and it might be something that the Lord calls us to do. But don't let the comparison crush you. And you might find God's just saying, just cheer on those other people, like the great cloud of witnesses. Your job in that is just cheer them on. But I want you to do this specific thing. So to run well, we need to stop comparing. And as it says, we need to throw off everything that hinders, the things that burden us, the sins that entangle us, those things which hold us back. And you know, so often that's the good stuff. So often it's the stuff which, you know, most of us, we can recognize the sins, we recognize them tangling us up and we, we want to break free. And we ask the Lord, help us to break free. But often the, the stuff we can be blind to is the good stuff. Where we're, 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 we're involved in this, involved in that, and doing this, and working for that. But actually the Lord's saying, no, just, just focus your life on these two things. Cut out some of the good to get to the best, to get to what we're calling to us. So we get unhindered and we can really, really run well. So we need to remember, we need to run. And the final thing is we rest and rejoice. We rest and rejoice. You know, we learn at a young age, don't we? If you eat your vegetables, you can have your dessert, don't you? That we all just know that's the way it works in most families. You've got to eat your vegetables and you can have your dessert. 
And kind of what we're learning is you just, you got to get through this and then you get the prize. You get the good stuff. All right? But just get your head down and get through this and the good stuff's to come. Look what it says, chapter 10. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Chapter 11. With Moses regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Chapter 12. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. You've got to, as they say, keep your eyes on the prize. You will be richly rewarded. You will be. Do you believe it? I'm glad you do. Because I struggle to sometimes. Because I sit there and think, I don't think I deserve it. Really? All these riches, this eternal life of joy, of peace, of just wonderful future to come. Do I really deserve that? And you know what the answer is? No, you don't. I don't, you don't. None of us deserve it. Only one person deserves it. His name is Jesus. And what the New Testament tells us over and over again in different ways, he did it for you. He deserved it, he got the prize, and he gives it to you. He went to the cross, he opened the gates of heaven for you. And the riches of heaven are yours. Not because you deserve it, because Jesus did it for you. And so that keeps us going. That keeps us running. So that's what we want to do. We want to remember, we want to run, and we want to rejoice in what is to come. And the great news is, because if you're anything like me, by the time you get out those doors, you've probably forgotten all those three points. What was it? Re-something? Re- 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 uh, we ask the Holy Spirit to write it on our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and help me to remember stuff about my early days when I came to faith. Just how kind of oh, passionate and what battles I won and fought. Don't let me grow cold. And Lord, help me to run. Help me to keep going. Help me to persevere in this. And Lord, help me to rejoice as I do it because because the treasures are guaranteed. It's there waiting for you because they don't depend on you. It depends on him. So we can rejoice as we do it. So should we ask the Holy Spirit to come and do that now? Come write that on our hearts. Would you like to stand again? And uh, we'll ask him to do that. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. And we know we cannot do this walk without you. We need you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Come and help us. Come and renew our hearts here this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Just wait on him for a minute.
you're just sending peace on some people here. You can 